Welcome to the Unveiling Grace podcast, a place to experience a grace that heals. Allow this grace to take your life and your relationships to another level as it frees you from the weight of performance-based religion. Enjoy another episode as Joel Groh and Lynn Wilder share encouraging stories and candid dialogue that can help you experience a grace that heals. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another Unveiling Grace podcast episode. So glad you've decided to join us. We've got another great episode. This is, I believe, our fourth and final episode with Micah Wilder, whose new book, Passport to Heaven, kind of his life story and experience in God's pursuit of him, is now available um, on Amazon or wherever else you want to find books. We're doing a little something a little bit different in this podcast episode, and we want to zero in with Micah on what he's learned. But before we do that, I have to introduce myself. I'm Joel Grote. And I'm Lynn Wilder. Welcome to another episode of the Unveiling Grace podcast. I'm excited about this one. When Micah walked away from his Mormon mission, I remember this. This was 15 years ago. He said to his Mormon parents, I'm going to have a ministry. And in my Mormon brain, I had no idea what a ministry was. I remember thinking, is he starting his own church? (laughs) I had no idea (laughs) what Christian ministry was or what it entailed. And yet here's this kid who literally, when he was sent home from his mission, he was only 20 years old. And yet somehow God had placed this desire in him to have a Christian ministry. Micah, tell us about that. How did how did your ministry get started? Because you were a really new Christian at the time. Yeah, you know, I, I think it stemmed from something that, that that should really come with every believer's heart, and that was a desire to share what I had come to know. And and I remember yeah. as a missionary at the very end of my mission, after becoming born again, and I remember sitting with my mission president and having this conversation. And thinking to myself, all I want in my life is to communicate the gospel. Like like this, as a Mormon, all I wanted in my life was to be the best Mormon, right? I I actually, for a while, I wanted to be a full-time seminary teacher. I mean, that's who I was. I wanted to communicate what it was like to have a relationship with God based on what I knew in the LDS church. And then when I came to know the true gospel, the fullness of the gospel, the fullness of God revealed in Christ— That's what I wanted. I just wanted to share the gospel. I wanted to find a way to use what God had done in my life to bring other people to the same knowledge of Christ. And so I think that that desire happened right there at the end of my mission. I think kind of in that few days when everything culminated and I realized like, I just want to be a witness for Christ. And so the way that that happened, uh, kind of morphed over time. And certainly the methods in which we have done ministry has changed. But I think that the ultimate goal from the beginning was always the same. And it's proclaim the gospel and proclaim the word of God. And for me as a missionary, reading the New Testament 12 times and coming to salvation exclusively through reading the Bible by myself, I knew the power and the effectiveness of the word of God. And so how can we communicate the word of God? Well, for me, um, 
I was a musician, my brother was a musician, and a bunch of the people that were in our inner circle that came to Jesus were also musicians. And so we said, well, why don't we use the gifts that God has given us and communicate God's word through music? I thought that was kind of a unique approach. And I know there's Christian music out there, but I think so few of it, if any, actually contains like scripture, like actually contains the word of God. And so we started uh, Adam's Road in the summer of 2006. Now, initially, Adam's Road was very much more of a band, right? So we were, we, we played at car shows, we played at events, we played at competitions, and we were kind of going in that traditional uh, Christian band route. And uh, about a year or so in, God, I think, really challenged us and challenged our hearts when we realized, like, our, our objective here isn't to be a successful group. Our objective isn't to be known. Our objective isn't to sell CDs and to make money. Our objective is to communicate the gospel effectively and to put the word of God into music. And so it was around that time that we actually decided, you know what, we're not going to sell our music. Uh, we're not going to sell anything. We're going to give it all away for free. And we're going to really focus on putting the word of God into song and then distributing that for free as God provides. And so that's kind of when there was somewhat of a paradigm shift within our approach to ministry. But at that point, I mean, we were still very much a band. I wasn't, you know, a minister per se, um, but I knew that I wanted to share my testimony and music was an avenue that, that I could do that. So I don't know if I've ever asked you this before, but I just want to say, so the name Adam's Road, can you just briefly say, you know, how you guys came up with that name, the symbolism significance behind it? Right. So Romans 3 says that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Right. And, and Adam, when he partook of the fruit, he brought sin and death into the world. So it's kind of a play on words where it's a reference to Adam uh, in the garden and also the second Adam, who is Christ on the cross. And so it's that road from the first sinful man who brought sin and death into the world to Jesus Christ, who brought life and justification. And so the road from the garden to the cross is Adam's road from the first Adam to the second. Cool. Thank you. <laughs> I, I was going to just make the comment that most people probably don't know these guys in their early years won the Michael, some Michael W. Smith contest for a Christian band in the Southeast U.S. or something. And then oh, I remember when cool. the shift shift took place. And I think they were, you were offered a record contract maybe, but then they decided that the gospel should be free and that they would put scripture to music. Now, let me tell you how this impacted my life. After I got saved, I'm listening to Adam's Road music, which is probably 80% scripture. And I would sing this song over and over and over. And maybe the 20th time I would go, oh, I get it. You know, <laughs> the beauty yeah. of the Adam's Road music, it's a way to put the word in your soul deep yeah. down and for it to be repetitive so that you can take it in. Right. Repetitive yeah. and memorable because things set the music just stick. We remember lyrics that go to tunes. It's just yep. how our brain is wired. Yep. So we saw that as a, as a, as an effective avenue to, to communicate the gospel. I'd say probably around 2010, it really was when our third album came out called Enemy of the Cross. And that's kind of when we just shifted like 100% scripture, like everything is just going to be the Bible. And in fact, if you go to our lyric sheets on our website, I mean, there's a there's a lyrical reference to every single one of our lyrics to show that it's not something we're making up. It's not something that we're just saying. It's actually taken straight from the word of God. And at that point, too, we really shifted to communicating our message in testimony form. So when we'd go to a church or we'd go do an event, 
it wasn't just us playing music or doing a concert. It was actually us preaching the gospel through our personal testimonies. And so that, that change started to take place. And we kind of put more emphasis on the testimony and the preaching aspect than we did the music. And so we've kind of learned how to complement the two uh, in our presentation now after 15 years of kind of perfecting uh, this process. But ultimately, our, our, our objective is the gospel and the preaching of the gospel, not to entertain, right, not to have, you know, flashy, fancy lights and all these other things, but to really just take the word of God and share it both through music and through our personal testimonies. And I know from having traveled with Adams Road that even if they're in some small town in New York, there will be somebody struggling with their Mormon faith who's found Adams Road online, who knows that they're, they're coming an hour away or four hours away or five hours away and they'll get in their car and drive and that those ministry events both before and after the events, there are typically people um, questioning their faith and seeking Jesus. And so not only is it just about the music and the testimonies, but it really is about the people who they're helping to come to faith. Yeah. And so in light of that, um, Micah, I almost called you Adam. That's funny. <laughs> uh, in light of that, can you share with us just some of the principles of ministry, things that God has taught you about ministry, about reaching out, about sharing the gospel uh, that stand out and whether or not that's directly related to people in performance-based religions like Mormonism or not, I would just like to hear the journey God's taken you on in terms of your ministry development and perspective. Yeah. You know, probably the, the most important one is a lesson I learned on my Mormon mission, and that's motivation, right? As a Christian, the purpose for which we share the gospel has to be centered in love, right? And, and Paul yeah. said so beautifully in 1 Corinthians 13, right? So if we can if we have faith to move mountains, if we can do all these things, but we don't have love, then we are nothing. Then we're just a noisy gong and a clanging cymbal. So the first lesson I had to learn was nobody's going to listen to me. Nobody's going to want to listen to me if I don't have the motivation of love in me. So my approach to them and my reason for sharing the gospel with any individual has to be because I see them as an image bearer of God. I see them as a person for whom Christ died. And I see them as a person who through the gospel can be transformed and given newness of life in the same way that God did for me. And so I think that understanding that, like, it's not about me and it's not about, you know, how big can I get or how much of a name can I make for myself, but how much do I truly genuinely love other people and how much am I willing to give up of myself for them to have the gospel that was delivered to me by loving people who put themselves in a position to share the gospel with a Mormon missionary. And I think about Pastor Shaw and I think about Pastor Benson and I think about Eric and I think about these people that God put in my life as a Mormon missionary who displayed that genuine love to me in a way that opened my heart and allowed God to, to, to soften myself and eventually receive the gospel of Jesus. And so that's kind of my first thing. And that's something that we really emphasize in our ministry. If you've ever heard us uh, preach live or share the gospel, that, that whole understanding of love is something that is so crucial uh, to, to any ministry, because if you're not doing it with love and you're not doing it because of love, then you need to step down and you need to evaluate the, the, the reason why you're there, because essentially uh, you're not part of the love movement, <laughs> as we talked about in the last episode. Wow. So what principles in terms of engaging someone in a performance-based religious group like Mormonism 
would you want them to know? In other words, you know, as you go to speak, what is that balance with truth and love? What are some of the things that these pastors and that Eric and other people did write as they reached out to you as and they attempted to share truth with you? Yeah. So, so Peter, I think it is, he says that we're, we're supposed to have a ready defense for the hope that lies within us, but we're supposed to do so with gentleness, right. And respect. And so I think we often omit the second half. We're so willing to defend our faith. But yet, <laughs> yes. The way in which we defend our faith as zealous as it may be, right. We're not doing it in gentleness and we're not being respectful. And in doing so, a lot of times we lose our audience. And so I think that one of the greatest lessons I've learned is that we have to be gentle in our approach. We have to be compassionate, right? We have to be understanding. And so one of the biggest mistakes is number one, we're going to automatically attack people based on things that they believe, right? So we focus on say the history of their religion or the character of people within their religion or the character of the founder or other things. And all we're doing is tearing a foundation out from under them, but we're not replacing it with anything that's going to give them hope. So I, I think mom said this earlier, and that's that like our goal, our objective is not bringing people out of performance-based religions. Our goal is to see yes. them come to a saving faith in Christ. And let me tell you, if somebody comes to a saving faith in Christ, they will eventually leave a performance-based religion because no man can serve two masters. And right. when you know and you hear and you understand the voice of the good shepherd, you'll be able to identify, right, that which comes in to steal, kill, and destroy. And so I think that's one of the main things that I've learned. The other thing is like, we have to be um, open to hearing out them. And that's something unique about Pastor Benz and his approach to me. So when we came to his office, we're on his turf, right? We're on his home field. And he <laughs> yeah. said, tell me what you believe. And he sat there quiet for 30 minutes and gave us all the respect that we could have been owed and allowed us to share our presentation. He didn't interrupt us. He didn't interject his own thoughts. And he showed us that he respected us enough to listen to us. And I think what that did in return was it kind of forced us to give him the same respect <laughs> in return. And I actually think it's a very effective approach. You know, sometimes we want to go in guns a blazing, right? We don't want to hear people out. We don't want to have a dialogue. We just want to win an argument. And, and I'll tell you, if your objective yeah. is to win an argument, you're, you just don't do it. Like you're not in it for the right reason. So when I engage with a Mormon or a Mormon missionary or anybody in a performance-based religion, our objective isn't, let me show you how wrong you are. Let me win this argument. It's let me reason with you the scriptures, right? And let me point you to the truth that is found in the word of God. And I think that I made that mistake a lot early on is just, let me show you how much I know. And let me show you how much yes. I know is wrong about what you believe. But I didn't really have any part of me that was doing that because I was trying to save the individual. I just kind of wanted to prove myself. Right. And so, Lynn, let me ask you this, because this is something I've struggled with because I've been in ministry for like 30 years now. And a lot of it's been focused on performance-based religions, especially, you know, groups like Mormonism or Jehovah's Witnesses, Adventism, others, Prosperity Gospel. Those have kind of been the key areas like for our ministry. But I have found one of my biggest struggles is that my own knowledge and competence can very often get in the way of that gentleness and respect and that care and compassion and that my trust my confidence is in how much i know versus how well i love the other person and so lynn i don't know if that's something you and i are so different in so many ways so 
you, this may not even be an issue with you, but it's one of the fears I have when I teach other people about performance-based religious groups and even how to share is one of my fears is, man, am I going to give them knowledge that now makes them less dependent on the Holy Spirit of God as they share? So I just, I kind of wanted to throw that out to both of you, but to Lynn too, just because, you know, you've been doing this. So that's a, that's a fear that I had just because I've seen it myself. I'm going to tell one quick story, how God taught me about that. And then I'm going to let Micah spend the rest of the time telling specific stories of people who have come to Christ um, through their, through their ministry and tie it up however he wants to. One day I did a radio show. I came out of the booth and there was a man who had left Mormonism, who was hardcore atheist waiting for me, waiting for this battle. Right. And I sat down with him and right away it's back and forth. And it was as if the Holy spirit just said to me, shut up. <laughs> quiet and listen and so I closed my mouth and that man talked for two hours and after two hours of his just giving his point of view he got to a place where he told me about the divorce that had happened and he got to this oh, tender wow. place where he's crying right and the Holy Spirit, I feel like, said to me, look, there's a place of vulnerability. You have to listen enough to know who these people are and what they're struggling with in order for any of that knowledge or junk that you think is helpful to be helpful. You have to know who they are and listen to who they are and listen to what their struggles are. That was a huge aha for me. It changed the way I did ministry. And I don't... Um, fire hose people anymore just tell them all, all everything they need <laughs> yes. i just wait and see what their questions are and then i only address that one thing and then sometimes i can gently move on from there and yeah. i don't want to take up any more of micah's time so yeah. micah you probably have no oh, that that's beautiful mom that actually kind of goes hand in hand with with one of the points i wanted to address and that's that every person we engage with is unique in their individual and so because somebody's a Mormon, it doesn't mean that you know everything about them and what they believe. And so <laughs> yeah. one of the biggest mistakes that we see people make is we want to kind of uh, presuppose mm -hmm. even what somebody's doctrines are. I tell you, within the Mormon church, you're going you're gonna to find a myriad of doctrines individually that people hold to. And so don't make assumptions about what they believe. Ask them questions get them talking and have a dialogue so that you can understand what it is they believe. And then through the Holy spirit and through the word of God, find out what they need. And, and Joel, what you said, I, I, I think about this often, like does our own wisdom and knowledge get in the way of our preaching the gospel? And, and I love first Corinthians one. It's always been one of my favorite chapters because of that reason, because Paul from, from an intellectual standpoint, probably had as much, if not more, theological knowledge than anybody, not only in Christendom, but also from the law itself based on his upbringing. Yeah. And he says this in 1 Corinthians 1.17, he said, For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, and not with words of eloquent wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. And then he goes on in chapter two, verse one, he says, and I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom, for I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. 
And I think about that all the time because a lot, one of the things that we hear a lot from people, they say, well, I'm not equipped, right? I'm not, I'm, I haven't been to seminary. I'm not, you know, an ordained pastor. I'm not in ministry. I can't share the gospel like you can. I say, all you need to share the gospel <laughs> is to know the gospel. That's all you need. And so if you don't know the gospel, then you haven't done your job as a Christian to be dedicated to the word of God. However, you don't need to know everything about everything. You don't need to know everything about Mormonism or Jehovah's Witness or Islam. If you know the gospel and you know Christ, then you can communicate the word of God to anybody, anywhere, at any time. And even Paul, who would have had more training directly, right? He says, I wasn't, I didn't learn the gospel from man. I learned it right from the source. (laughs) Even him... He said, I didn't come preaching words of eloquent wisdom, you know, but he came and preached Christ and him crucified. So that's the message, right? That is our ultimate message as Christians. And that's the hope for the world, right? Is the reconciliation of mankind to God that only comes through Christ's work on the cross. The gospel is the power of God into salvation, right? So them coming out of Mormonism because they doubt Mormonism isn't going to save them. The gospel is going to save them, right? Faith in Christ's work is going to save them. And so that is our ultimate objective. So like your mom was saying, I'm sure you've got some stories of how God has used you. I'd love for you to just maybe share a couple of stories that stand out on how God, you know, did this. Yeah, I'll share two stories um, as quickly as I can. The first one actually uh, goes all the way back to when I was a missionary for the Mormon church. Um, I met a woman uh, and her husband who had just lost their six-month-old son. And so as missionaries, we came to them and we said, eternal families, this is how you can be with your son again. And so we ended up baptizing them into the church, had an amazing relationship with them, trusted them, loved them. We were family. Well, I left the Mormon church and I had to come wow. to this family and to this woman and tell her, I, I, I no longer believe this is a way. I essentially had to apologize saying, I, I, I taught you something that I now know biblically is not the truth. And I want you to know what I know. And it caused a lot of strain in that relationship for a long time. However, Um, God helps soften my pride after years and years of talking and dialoguing and discussing scripture. Um, she ended up leaving the Mormon church and becoming born again. Uh, she was baptized uh, as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus, and is now faithfully walking as a disciple of Christ. And so just an amazing story to kind of see things go right from bringing her into Mormonism and then help leading her to the true biblical Christ and and to go through all that and experience that together over the course of, I mean, probably 10 years um, wow. has been one of the most miraculous kind of personal testimonies. Uh, the other one is a, is a gentleman that we met in Northern Idaho. He was, I think, about 67 years old at the time, and he approached us at our CD table after an Adams Road event. Uh, I think we were in Coeur d'Alene or something like that. And he said, I've been LDS my entire life. And five years ago, you guys played at a Lutheran church in Sandy, Utah, and my wife brought me there. He had been remarried to a Christian woman. <laughs> she encouraged wow. him to come to this event. <laughs> he was very reluctant. He didn't want to go, uh, but he did. And he said, that was the first time in my life at 63 or whatever, 62 years old, that I heard the gospel. And I walked away with your challenge in my head, read the Bible like a child. He said, for the last five years, I've been reading the New Testament with my wife. And he said, I'm saved. And I've been born again uh, because of the message that I heard at your event. And so two years ago in 2019, we saw him uh, at his home church 
and uh, I got a picture with him, hugged him, we talked for hours, and all he could do was just smile and say how good God is, how good God is. He said, none of my kids will talk to me. I don't have a relationship with any of my adult children, any of my grandchildren, he said, but I would do it all again a thousand times over because what I have now is so much greater than anything I've ever lost. And so um, just about six months ago, we, we got a message from his pastor and from his wife that he was at the end. And so we, we called him uh, and did a FaceTime with him uh, in the hospital. And uh, Lila and Joseph, they sang to him. We sang Amazing Grace and a couple of his favorite Adam's Road songs. Um, and the next day he passed away. And uh, it, it, it was an amazing wow. experience. Even, even on his deathbed, two of his adult children were there and they thanked us for the impact that we had made in his life. And they heard us sing these songs to him and share the gospel. And you could see that even through the things that he had been through, God had softened their hearts. Um, and that even in his death, he was a testimony of the gospel of Jesus. So uh, the, the thing I walk away from when I hear stories like that, or am a part of that, is that nobody, it's never too late and nobody is beyond the reaches of God's grace. You know, if yeah. somebody's 65 years old uh, and they're as staunch Mormon as you could ever be, it doesn't mean that there's no hope because the gospel gives hope to everybody. Yeah, wow. Well, that's a great place to wrap up this episode and this series of podcasts. Micah, thank you so much for sharing your time, for sharing your wisdom, um, for humbly sharing your story. I'm so glad that it's in print. I'm so excited for your book that's out and we just want to encourage everybody to get a copy thanks man it's been rich I thank you thank you. you for having me this has been an honor Who, whoever would have believed right that your mom would have a christian podcast and that you would be on with it. this god just continues to amaze me grace and peace my friends <laughs> so long Thanks so much for listening to the Unveiling Grace podcast. You can find show notes and leave us your comments and questions at unveilinggracepodcast.com. We have an exciting announcement. Michael Wilder's new book, Passport to Heaven, is out. And for a donation of $20 or more to the podcast, we'll send it to you. It's the true story of a zealous Mormon missionary who discovers the Jesus he never knew. Just go to unveilinggracepodcast.com and click on the Micah's Book button to get yours. We appreciate your support of the Unveiling Grace podcast, where you can experience a grace that heals. <laughs>